Hello, and welcome back to Murder on Tap. We are your hosts, Allie and Jose. Hey, everybody. And this is Murder on Tap. How's it going, Jose? It's going good, Allie. Pretty good. Uh, Oh, you didn't ask me. (laughs) Oh, how are you feeling? I'm pretty good. (laughs) I... (laughs) Well, welcome back, everybody, and hello to the new listeners, if there's any. Um, we are your true crime and beer podcast. They know, Jose. They know. Well, if there's new ones, they... That's true. Okay. You know what? Ketchup. And mustard. Ketchup. All right. Well, you want to dive into it? Alrighty. tell us... Oh, you know what? There's a new beer coming out. Oh. By, uh, Paps. Oh, weren't they, like, disappearing for a second? No, they're big in, like... I thought they got bought out College by somebody. communities, I think. I know, but I thought they got bought out, and then... Oh, I didn't hear about that. Did you? Just kidding. I'm pretty sure they got bought out maybe a few years back, but then I think they made a comeback. I don't know, but now they're putting out a an IPA. Oh. It is, that's uh, pretty different. Captain Peps. Mm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Seabird IPA. Yeah, they're launching a whole different thing, trying to get into the craft beer Good. Uh, part of the industry, since you see how craft beers are booming, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they have to do something else, because... You gotta keep up with the times. For sure. And, uh, yeah, check it out. I looked it up, and it's uh, a pretty cool-looking beer. As far as the color of it, the head on it... The bottle, I mean, the can itself is a cool print on it. It's like a like a little captain in the middle of it. And uh, it makes it look uh, really nice and black and gold. Okay. It's pretty cool. Check it out. Um, yeah. Hopefully Anything? we can come across it and we can give it a try. I'm sure we'll be able to. I'm interested. If, it, if, it's, um, if it's available like Pap's Blue Ribbon was, then we should probably be able to... Get our hands on some of that, some of that captain. Yeah, that was it. It was Miller Coors. Oh yeah, that was that's old news. Yeah, they're never mind. They're gonna continue to brew it. I thought they uh, got bought out by somebody else, but maybe I'm thinking of. Um no. Something else. That's why you do true crime. Forget you then. And I do beer. Whatever. Beer. Do you want to take us into the beer of the week? Beer. Yes, I do. Yay. Let me pour you some. Why don't you give me a, a filler so I could uh, pour you some and people would not be like, why do they stay quiet while he pours? Well, you're kind of talking throughout the whole thing, so. I know, I am, ain't I? But that's okay. Ooh. Yep. That's really nice. Did you happen to get a uh, an idea of the percentage of that Paps beer? No, I didn't. But if it's like a craft beer, it should be anywhere from like 5.5 and above. Nice. And uh, or maybe they started off low. I don't know. Mm, you know. Who knows? Let's give it a. We'll we'll, we'll, we'll hunt for it. And... We'll look for it, and hey, maybe we'll have our next podcast or two about it. Absolutely. All right. Well, cheers. Cheers. This is very pretty, by the way. It is a uh, stouty. Let's try it. Oh, I can smell it. Wow. 
Oh, yeah. That brings me back when I was 12 years old again. Wait, what? <laughs> You're drinking stouts when you were No, 12? you'll see why. So, the beer of the week. This is amazing. It is very tasty. Oh, my goodness. Um, it is brought to you by High Water Brewing. Mm-hmm. Uh, founded by Steve Altimari. I believe you. Oh, thanks. Uh, who has been a successful, sorry, successful brewmaster for 15 years. Very long time. Very. Um, the company got their final uh, licensing and production <clears throat> started to commence in March of 2011. Mm-hmm. A little nine-year-old company. Not too shabby, but the taste of this. I wonder what their other beers taste like. Yeah. But, uh, High Water, um, the name that they came up with was like a funny take on the owner's last name, mm-hmm. which is Altimari, which Alti, Alta means high and Mare means sea or water in Italian. Uh, that's pretty cool. Yes. I like the reference. Yeah, it <laughs> right away, you know? Um, <clears throat> he started off with his wife, uh, I'm, I'm hopefully I'm pronouncing it right. It's Bari or Barry, B-A-R-R-I. Altamare, uh, who is the first lady of the company and their flavorologist. Ooh. Yeah. Um, not too much that I read up, I could have, you know, girl power. On it. Yeah, girl power. <laughs> uh, not too much that I could have found on it, but they, I saw that they have a... Tap Rooms and Breweries in San Leandro, which is by the southeastern shores of the San Francisco Bay. Okay. If I'm not mistaken, if I am. Yeah. <laughs> and then they have another one in Lodi, California, which I believe that one is closer to Sacramento. What is it called? Lodi, L-O-D-I. Okay. That sounds familiar also. And um, yeah, they uh, they're distributed. They're distributed in North, Central, and Southern California. Also in Nevada, Washington, Alaska, Arizona, New York, Colorado, Florida, and in the international areas is Japan, Brazil, Spain, Denmark, Amsterdam. Oh damn! Um, Australia. He's got some Rome, roots London, Paris. Quite the places. Yeah, Greece and Switzerland. Wow. Poland too. Okay. Yeah, he's there that company is out there, you know, it's doing very well. I mean it sounds like it. Yeah, very, very well. Yeah. Do you happen to catch how many different styles of beer they have? They have a lot of different styles and they they pretty much try to catch like the um, the the flavors are like you know the more like as I show I show some of like like home baked type of flavors you know like cakes or something like that you know or sweets and stuff like that interesting but they also vary it's you know you can't just stick to one style you have to no of course not but I mean like do they do stouts they do IPAs they, oh, they do have all, all of it? the all different stuff that's stouts, pretty cool IPAs. this is delicious this one is uh. We'll jump into it. It's the Campfire Stout. That's mm. why I said it reminded me to when I was 12 years old. 
<laughs> drinking by the campfire. Wait, what? <laughs> no, no, no. I never drank next to a campfire. Okay, so <laughs> this is a 6.5% ABV brew. It is a uh, it is described as a stout brewed with graham cracker, molasses, and natural flavors which have been added after. Molasses you can definitely taste. Yeah, the little thickness. Mm-hmm. It almost tastes like a s'more. And then um I didn't pour mine in a glass this time. But that graham cracker you can Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's like That's crazy. It's like s'mores. It it's is. Like, it's like a melted time. s'more in a cup. It pours out really dark. Super dark. Super like coffee dark. Rich. Like yeah. Black coffee. Such a pretty color. Um, there's not much foam on the top. Amazing. No. We have had a couple of those. The couple of those hazy beers are the ones that have a lot of foam. I feel like maybe the stouts because they're. Heavy. I think the flavor sits. Yeah, and it sinks down to the mm-hmm. bottom. That's what we've we've noticed that some of the stouts. There's flavor in the bottom, and you kind of have to turn the bottle upside down and let the flavor... You remember, like, how the chocolate stout was? Mm-hmm. Or the hazelnut from Rogues? Yeah. Those were the ones that, you know, you could see the flavor in the bottom. Um, smell, what do you smell? You got the you got the glass over there. Lots of sweet. After you said graham cracker, it smells like graham cracker. Definitely has hints of molasses. Chocolate. Almost coffee, chocolate. Coffee, chocolate. Some vanilla bean. Vanilla, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Oh, we're getting good at this. High yeah. five. Yeah. <laughs> Helps <laughs> since we Who drink needs notes? every week. <laughs> <laughs> every week. Um, taste. Let's give it a good taste. Back at it again with the graham cracker, molasses, that sweetness. It's that stout flavor, that malty stout flavor. It is, flavor. but it's not like, it's not a bitter stout. It's a. But it is a little bitter if you swirl it around, swirl it around in your mouth a little bit. Like if it's like you know, wine. You get like a little bitter chocolate type of. Mm, taste, but it's delicious. You know? Yeah. A little bitter raw chocolate. Yeah. Um. You get that raw chocolate for sure, like that uh, dark chocolate. Yeah, the dark ones. You know, mm. it's, it's not too bitter, but it does leave that. How how raw chocolate leaves that taste in your mouth? It's kind of nice. It's really good. I really like it. Um, yeah, that's it. Uh, do you want to describe the can for us? I do. The uh, top of the can has a little saying that says, "Unique flavors for the curious palate." Leaves you wanting s'more. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, it has the um, the front of the can is a. A bear sitting by a, a campfire. The bears. Toasting marshmallows. Mm. On this little stick. And then uh, it says in the bottom what I pretty much said earlier. Uh, stout with graham crackers, molasses, natural and artificial flavors, and caramel color. He, uh, he is sitting in a nice view of a big waterfall in the background. The can is like a bronze color with, you know, all these nature-looking things in the background. Trees, waterfalls, mountains. Um, And in the back, it says, A campfire stout evokes fond memories of wilderness and camping adventures. 
Notes of chocolate and graham cracker, topped with a hint of marshmallow, will leave you wanting some more. Like any campfire experience, this beer is best shared with a warm circle of family and friends. Yes. Indeed. It is very tasty. It is... I don't think we've had a bad beer so far. Not at all. And we've been, like, randomizing beers. It's not just, like... Mm Mm-hmm. You know, we've gotten a few requests, I mean, a few suggestions, which have been and really good. And those have been delicious as well. They've been delicious, and it's and those are beers that we wouldn't even have been, hey, yeah. we should get that. We never think twice about, for sure. And I'm glad we did this podcast, because that opened us up to variety. Yes, and not even just the variety, but the many breweries that are out there. Yep. That's the best part, getting to know all the different breweries, and... How our love for beer... Wait, are you going to cry? A little bit. Oh. No, but our love for beer is, like, worldwide. Yeah, there's many I mean, people. obviously, but it's just nice to share... Yeah, but... That interest. It's probably... This podcast probably has more true crime followers than it does beer followers. But, hey... But still. You have to listen to my voice in the beginning. Uh. That's why... I've, we put me in the front. Yeah. In the beginning. <laughs> yeah, in the beginning. Because we know that you <laughs> probably would have just fast forward through it. Mm. Don't fast forward through this. <laughs> this is so good. It's very good. We have to, we need to get this again for sure. Yes. Again, I'm we down. will post pictures of this. Um, it's very, very definitely good. Definitely the bottle, I mean the can, because it's, I love the artwork. Uh, and, of course, we did purchase this at the bottle shop. Bottle shop. Friends from the bottle shop in the San Fernando Valley. Silmar um, area. Right, Silmar. Whatever. Same. Yeah. Right? Same yeah. vicinity. Yes. So, great. Ama- amazing. This is amazing. It's very good. Very. And I think this is one that you chose. Nice. I'm good at picking beer. Oh, my goodness. And now... That we're over, I mean, that we're done with the beer of the week. With the bow, you see, B-O-W, beer of the, oh, for the T. Oh, God. Okay. okay. Moving on. Let's just end it there, Jose. Um, we hope you guys try this beer and enjoy it as much as we do. And, Allie? Yes. It's absolutely. true crime time, time, time. It sure is. So... Over this past weekend, Jose and I finally got the chance to watch the Aaron Hernandez documentary. Oh, yeah. And that was some pretty heavy stuff. Um, yeah, you think you know from what you heard on the news and stuff, but once you watch the documentary, you learn a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, all the details that come out and... It gets a little bit more in-depth. and. Uh, I mean... Wait, isn't this Ali's thought or Ali's... Kinda. Oh, it is. I guess it is. <laughs> Allie's thoughts. <laughs> oh my I'm just kidding. Free from but, the brain of Allie. <laughs> seriously, Allie. though, if you haven't had a chance to check out that documentary, definitely uh, take some time to watch it. It's three episodes. About three episodes, an hour, about an hour. Not that long, but an um, hour each. Um, there's quite a bit of information in it that. Um, might have been left out in yes, media absolutely. And news podcasts. But that kind of led me to my story for today. 
And it reminded me of this situation that happened um, some years back, almost a decade back, over a decade back, I should say. There you go. So let me just jump into it. I'm not going to tell you the name yet, but Let's do it. you'll hear it soon. So over the span of more than 65 years, WWE, the World Wrestling Entertainment, Oh my goodness. Has become the leading brand in sports entertainment. Much of the success can be attributed to Vince McMahon, the chairman and CEO, and his vision of pay-per-view television. When Vince took over the reins from his own father in 1982, which ironically, his name was Vince Jesse McMahon as well. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, Vince McMahon's middle name was something else. I think it was Mark or something. But anyway, so he took over in 1982. He totally transformed the industry with his introduction of an annual tradition known as WrestleMania. Yep. So champion veterans include Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, Shawn Michaels, Randy Savage, Andre the Giant, Eddie Guerrero, and so many more legendary athletes. Rip the Hitman Hart. The list goes on and on. I mean, the list goes on. And... Me and Jose are pretty big. We're pretty big fans of wrestling. I love watching it. I always used to love watching it, especially when I was younger. And ironically, my grandmother was like a huge fan. Best match ever, Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. I believe you. Two hour long match. I don't don't remember too many of them, but I just just remember the, you know what I mean? The excitement of it. And there's just so much going on and just the storylines and it's just all so intriguing that's what it is the storylines draw you in so during 2007 chris benoit Mm. was one of the premier athletes in the whole wwe at 40 years old he had moved into a veteran stage of his career with numerous championships within the organization so let's give you a little bit of history before we jump into anything. Born May 21st, 1967, Christopher Michael Benoit was a Canadian professional wrestler. Growing up, Benoit idolized the Dynamite Kid. Uh, mm-hmm. His name was Thomas Billington, and nope. he was a British professional wrestler. And he also idolized Bret Hart at that time. The Hitman Hart. So, after watching countless tapes of Dynamite's legendary matches, Benoit soon decided to join his idol in the wrestling world. Although not a fan, uh, although not a wrestling fan, Benoit's father supported his son's dreams and encouraged Benoit by purchasing a set of weights for training. He would eventually go on to train at the Hart Family Dungeon which was a notorious training facility. Yep. And Very after well years of strenuous training under Bruce and Stu Hart in 1985, Benoit began his wrestling career in Stu Hart's Stampede Wrestling Promotion. So from the beginning, Benoit had adop- uh, adopted shit. Mm. had adopted many of the Dynamite Kids moves such as the diving headbutt and the snap suplex? Mm-hmm. Or is it suplex? Suplex. Suplex. The dedication was complete with his initial billing as Dynamite Chris Benoit. Benoit's debut match was a tag team match on November 22, 1985, 
in Calgary, Alberta. Teamed with the remarkable Rick Patterson, Benoit's team won the match after Benoit pinned Butch Muffet with the sunset flip. Mm-hmm. Benoit would eventually depart for New Japan Pro Wrestling, where he made his Japanese debut in 1986 under his real name, Chris Benoit. Yep. In 1989, Benoit began wearing a mask and adopted the name The Pegasus Kid. Although he hated the mask, it would eventually become a huge part of him. While in NJPW, no, right, NJPW, uh, Benoit found himself in critically acclaimed matches with notables like Jushin Liger. Liger, mm-hmm. uh, Shinjiro Otani, Black Tiger, and El Samurai. Those names are not familiar to me. I don't remember. El Samurai, yes. I don't remember seeing... I don't really remember seeing NJPW, I guess. Oh, it wasn't broadcasted as... Well, it was before my time, because yeah, I wasn't yeah, even like, born yet. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so like it wasn't broadcasted worldwide like it is Interesting. now. But is it still around? I'm not really sure. I didn't even I, see in my notes either. I don't think that organization is out. Maybe not that one in particular. There's another one. I wrote it down, but I'll get to that eventually. So in August 1990, Benoit won his first match, uh, major championship from Jushin Liger. Mm -hmm. Is it Liger or Liger? I'm guessing it's Liger. Liger, I think. Yeah. So by June 1992, Benoit arrived to the World Championship Wrestling, WCW. WCW. And he teamed up with Biff Wellington at that time. After a few defeats, Benoit headed back to Japan by 1993. In 94, he he began working with Extreme Championship Wrestling, so ECW. Uh, He would soon gain notoriety as the Crippler after putting Rocco Rock out of action. Mm -hmm. So Benoit's behavior was cold and uncaring towards his opponents. At one of the events, known as November to Remember, Benoit accidentally broke Terry Brunks, uh, known by his ring name Sabu. Oh, I'm sorry. He broke Terry Brunks' neck within seconds of the start of the match. Benoit had a hard time with what he had done to Sabu and feared he might have paralyzed him. Um, It said that, like, he wanted to go and see him, like, and reach out to him. Um, I'm guessing Sabu was fine because the, he continued to wrestle, I think, after that. But after several wins and losses, Benoit was forced to leave ECW after Paul Heyman, the lead booker of ECW, forgot to renew Benoit's um, work visa. So Benoit pretty much left as a matter of job security and the ability of entering into the United States. So he decided to go back to Japan. He toured there for a little bit until... Uh, World Championship Wrestling signed him on in 1995. That's the WCW. We got it. Did you? (laughs) So, after impressing many higher-ups with his wrestling, Ric Flair and the WCW booking staff approached Benoit and offered him a spot in the Four Horsemen alongside uh, Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, and Brian Pillman. Arn Anderson. Damn, I forgot all these names. Man, I can't Ooh. even tell you. So, 
let me also mention this part. I am giving like a dent of information. There was so much information, oh, especially with all the different matches. So if you're somebody that's really interested in wrestling, I highly recommend you checking out uh, the my information at the end, the sources that I used, and read up on all his different matches because there's a lot and a lot of remarkable losses and defeats and it's just it was way too much to cover but i'm kind of just giving the overall idea of everything yeah brother okay so (laughs) um when pillman abruptly left wcw for the wwf Benoit replaced him in the ongoing feud with Kevin Sullivan. The feud consisted of Benoit having an affair with Sullivan's real-life wife, Nancy Sullivan, also known as Woman. Uh, Benoit was married to Martina Benoit at that time, and they had two children. Their names are David and Megan. Benoit. Uh, Benoit and Nancy were forced to spend time together to make the affair appear real, and lo and behold, the on-screen, on-screen relationship actually developed into a real-life affair off-screen. Like, they would be forced to, like, get a room together, or, like, they'd be forced to, like, hold hands in the back, like, uh, backstage. Make it as believable as possible. As believable as possible, and uh, it became real life. So, once again, Benoit won and lost his many matches, while in the WCW again follow up on that because there's just a lot and there was one mention that um even though he had pretty much ruined the marriage between Kevin Sullivan and Nancy um Sullivan never showed any kind of like um any kind of like no I don't want to say hatred but he kept it cool like throughout because it's professional very professional yeah throughout all the matches and just whatever was going on while they were filming um so by january of 2000 due to disagreements benoit left the company alongside his friends eddie guerrero dean malenko and perry saturn dean malenko mm-hmm. man mm-hmm. eddie guerrero who rp passed away mm-hmm. a while back too I'll mention that part, too. There we go. So, once again, Benoit would spend a few days in Japan before heading to the WWF. On February 25th, 2000, Benoit's third child with then-wife Nancy Sullivan was born. His name was Daniel. Along with Guerrero, Benoit, Saturn, and Malenko would form the Radicals and make their own mm-hmm. debut in the WWF. Oh, man. Benoit quickly won his first title in the WWF as the WrestleMania 2000, um, pinning Chris Jericho? Yeah, when Jericho was starting out in the WWF. Um, well, he and pinned him. the balls of Jericho. <laughs> so further champions Benoit challenged during WWF are The Rock, uh, Rikishi. Rakishi. Oh, Rakishi. Uh, Chris Jericho, The Undertaker, Kane. And in early 2001, Benoit eventually broke away from the Radicals. 
and he continued to wrestle despite having a suffered uh, having suffered a neck injury. Yeah, that's right. I remember that. Yeah. Um. After competing in a triple threat against Stone Cold Steve Austin and Chris Jericho for the title at King of the Ring, Benoit's injury required surgery, and he would need to miss the next twelve months. So he like made his injury a lot worse. Yeah, which is a, that's a long time in the wrestling world. Yeah, I mean, it seems like it. If people could forget forget you. Oh, absolutely. Of so many overlapping storylines. That too, and it it kind of it kind of ruined the storyline. Yeah, it, that it he was going with at that time, and he yeah. just it. It just halts it, and pretty much very difficult to come back from to that same storyline. Yeah. After that. So yeah, it's a very fast paced world. With their, very, yeah. with their storylines. I mean, some of them, they drag on, but it's very quick. So they have they just, so many different matches like, throughout the, the week. They switch on some of them, too. Is yeah. One day, you're the good guy. The next day, you're the bad guy. You yeah, know, but that's what it takes, I guess, right? Yeah, you got to stay relevant. So, Benoit would eventually make a comeback during the first WWE draft as the third superstar to be part of the new SmackDown roster, even though he was still on the injured list, which is pretty shocking. Uh, his reign of defeats and losses continued in SmackDown throughout 2005. Um, sadly, on November 13, 2005, one of Benoit's best friends, Eddie Guerrero, yeah. was found dead in his hotel room. Um, I don't remember. I didn't read up on it, but do you remember why Eddie Guerrero died? Was it some kind of a heart attack or something? I'm not going to say exactly, but... Uh... You know what? I'm. I'll just look it up before I say anything, cause I have okay. an idea. But I think there was something with along the lines of steroids or something. Uh, Steroid usage, but I could be wrong. So while you look that up, Benoit was devastated over Eddie's loss, of course. And that same week, Benoit defeated Triple H in the tribute match to his best friend. On June 11, 2007, Benoit was drafted from SmackDown to ECW, which is Extreme Championship Wrestling, as part of the 2007 WWE draft after losing a match to Bobby Lashley. On June 19th, Benoit would defeat Elijah Burke in a match to determine who would compete for the vacated ECW World Championship at Vengeance. Okay, I found it, and he says that... uh... 2005, November 13th, uh, Chavo Guerrero, who is Eddie Guerrero's mm-hmm. nephew, mm-hmm. That's right. um, found uh, his unconscious body in a hotel room in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and the autopsy revealed that he had died from natural causes related to, I might be saying this wrong, but it's arteriosclerotic. Yes. Arteriosclerotic heart disease yes i read that too yeah so which so just is just kidding maybe it isn't from steroids which uh yeah heart disease i can't remember what that was but i just that was so sad i'll never there. forget that oh the whole world stopped oh Eddie you mean Guerrero like how i put the fact that he just died from steroids out there no <laughs> he didn't really die that's, from steroids well, I, I could be wrong <laughs> but um yeah i remember that that was huge yeah, the whole industry stopped. Yeah. People around stopped. It was, uh, you know, a well-known Latin character for us and Latin person that did, you know, 
yeah. very well and was very known and it just it wasn't it wasn't a good time mm. okay so the following week benoit was to debut in a weekend house show at approximately 3.30 p.m. on Saturday, June 23rd, close friend of Benoit, Chavo Guerrero, which was also, you just mentioned, uh, Eddie, Guerrero's Eddie Guerrero's nephew, nephew right? Mm-hmm. So he was also a very close friend of Benoit's, received a voicemail from Benoit stating he had missed his flight for the show that was scheduled for later that evening. Guerrero returned to Benoit's call, commenting that Benoit sounded like he was exhausted and like kind of out of it. But uh, Benoit explained that he had a very stressful day due to a bout of food poisoning affecting his wife Nancy and his son Daniel. So the following day on June 24th, a string of five text messages, five text messages were sent from Benoit's and Nancy's phone to several WWE staff, including uh, Chavo Guerrero and referee scott armstrong so the first third fourth and fifth text messages that were sent out to like um like four different people they all stated that um this is what they said so it said my physical address is 130 green meadow lane fayetteville georgia 30215 the second text message was sent to a neighbor, uh, which simply stated, the dogs are in the enclosed pool area, garage side door is open. A voicemail was also sent that same day, stating that Dan was vomiting blood, and both Chris and Nancy were still at the hospital with him. Chris mentioned that he doubted he would be able to attend the pay-per-view event, uh, night of champions after all but instead he would be taking a later flight to houston um like later on that evening however benoit did not turn up the following day as he had promised senior vice president of talent relations john uh Laurinaitis okay would soon learn of the text messages sent over the weekend and he began to worry and he started to speculate that something was wrong. So I'm getting the chills. WWE reached out to the Fayette County Sheriff's Department to do a wellness check on the Benoit family. At approximately 2.30 p.m. on June 25, 2007, police entered the Benoit residence and discovered three deceased individuals. Nancy Benoit had been killed by strangulation uh, sometime on Friday the 22nd. Uh, Police found her tied up and wrapped in a towel in the upstairs bedroom. A Bible was left beside her. Bruising on her neck and stomach were consistent with a knee being pressed into her back while a cord was pulled around her neck. Daniel Benoit was also suffocated and found in his bedroom. A Bible also lay next to him. Decomposition of Daniel's body had began at about the same time as his mother's but it was not at the same stage after a further investigation daniel's autopsy revealed internal injuries to his throat but no exterior wounds a toxicology report would eventually show that xanax was in his system indicating he was likely unconscious when he was suffocated lastly 
Chris Benoit was discovered in his home gym. He had committed suicide by creating a a makeshift noose from one of the pulley cables. He fastened the cable to some weights, and once the custom-made setup was triggered by dropping the counterweights, which were roughly about 240 pounds, um, it instantly broke Benoit's neck. Uh, it was made from his uh, uh, pulley, the pull, the arm pull. Yeah. Yeah, the weights. Yeah, they had found him like sitting against the bench pretty much. Yeah. So the investigation into the deaths started and ended by Chris Benoit. Police ruled it as a double murder-suicide. Toxicology reports would eventually show hydrocodone, hydromorphone, and Xanax in both Nancy and Chris. But they were considered to be at levels investigators called consistent with therapeutic use. No artificial steroids were found in Chris's urine, nor was there any evidence of GHB, and Benoit's blood alcohol level also tested negative. Initially, WWE had canceled the scheduled three-hour-long live show on on June 25th and replaced the broadcast with a tribute to to Benoit's life and career. However, upon discovering details of the tragedy, WWE reacted quickly and firmly. In the last 13 years, Chris Benoit's name has been omitted from all merchandise, promotional materials, and past history. This is the sad part. All of his accomplishments have been expunged. Yeah. I mean, aside from, obviously, his death was the sad part, uh, but still, I know. So, additionally... They didn't didn't want uh, that to be... A part of the them, you know? Yeah. So that's why they cleared all that stuff. So, additionally, all active and former wrestlers, staff, and executives of WWE were banned from mentioning his name at any time. I think the only time that his name was ever mentioned again was, like, right after... Um, the incident, Vince McMahon came out and he gave a speech about it, and that was it. One of the main theories proposed was that Benoit suffered from constant concussions that went untreated. Benoit allowed himself to be struck on the head with a folded steel chair on numerous occasions. Which would be considered CTE? Yes. And that is, and if you go by that, I think that's one reason why the company didn't want to keep on talking about him. Right. Right. Which to me that kind of sucks. No. They should have been, a, you know, a major more warning. aware about it, but yeah. Yeah. So, for anybody that doesn't know what CTE stands for, it's chronic traumatic encephalopathy, which is a neurodegenerative disease caused by repeated head injuries. Which they're making him more aware in sports now. Yes. So, during his postpartum examination, Benoit's brain was similar to that of an 85-year sufferer, an 85-year sufferer of Alzheimer's disease. Further damage was recorded in all four lobes and the stem, which is kind of where CTE hits. 
However, former WWE superstar Bob Holly revealed in his autobiography. Hardcore Bob Holly. I don't know who he is. That's his name. Hardcore oh, Bob Holly. Hardcore Bob Holly revealed in his autobiography that he did not believe that that was the case. That instead, alcoholism was to blame. Yeah, he when was on the road, to, yeah, he was known to. Holly witnessed him drink a lot more often than use steroids or any other drugs. One good thing rose from the day, from this dark day, in sports. TNA, Ring of Honor, New Japan Pro, which I think that's what it's called now, and WWE have all updated their wellness policy in hopes that such an act will never happen again. As of September of 2019, David Benoit, which is Benoit's first son, announced he would like to join All Elite Wrestling. Not only does Daniel want to follow his father's footsteps, but he also wants to wrestle under the name Chris Benoit Jr. and wear similar ring gear. Well, I guess technically his middle name is Chris, so he's like, legally, I can take that name. But are they going to let him do that? Possibly. It sounded like he's starting to train with a lot of the big names, like uh, um, Natalia Hart and her husband. The Hart Foundation members. A lot of people are interested, and they're actually supporting him. Well, yeah. So, something new to look forward to. Yeah, it was very tragic at the time. It's... I do too. I remember it kind of hits home because I remember it happening. Everything that happened, you see it, you know. Yeah. On TV, just all coming the up time. on the news, just, like all of a sudden, they were just. It was just, and then it just disappeared. And well, obviously now we know why. But and he was such a popular wrestler. Like yeah. I honestly, was one of my favorites when he was in the Four Horsemen. And then to hear this, and you know, people saying that it could have been steroids. Yeah. Uh, alcohol, and then in the end, you kind of hear that it's like CTE. Mm-hmm. At the time when people didn't really understand CTE. No, and this is, we're talking 2007. This yeah, is they, like 13 years ago, and... They said that he had an 80-something-year-old yeah. person with Alzheimer's brain. Yeah. Which also goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning, the Aaron Hernandez story. Yep. When they did the the... They did his final autopsy of his brain. And the, he had the frontal lobe and then the, what other area did you say there was? The four lobes and the stem. Yeah, they were also... Pretty badly damaged. Pretty damaged. Were, they Very said badly it, damaged. It was an extra 10 years, at least, on his life. Yeah, for somebody who was, what, 27 at that time? Yeah, when and they think they said that it was... That it... Um, it didn't let the part it, it pretty much took out of the part of uh reasoning right that you know it kind of like it damaged it to damaged it. the reasoning part of it so and um spontaneous something mm-hmm. so it's a I serious think that's deal that's kind of you know? what happened with chris benoit and it could have been a mixture of certain things absolutely it might have not just been one but absolutely it was very tragic because i remember that happening it was just it wasn't no no it was sad it was very sad and that sir is the 
sad story of former professional wrestler Chris Benoit. Chris the Kip- Crippler Benoit. Chris the Crippler Benoit. Again, I got a lot of my information off a off of uh, I got some bits and pieces off of Wikipedia, some from Murderpedia. A good portion of it I got from ProWrestlingFandom.com. So that has a lot of the details of his matches. If anybody's interested in reading up in that, um, he had a lot of great he had a great history in wrestling career, and it sucks that a huge he had to be career. like a race like that. But it's understandable. Just, you know, yeah, it's... for anybody that's still a fan, keep his memory alive, I guess. Yeah, but at the same time, you know that there's going to be some people that do not like him because of this. And yeah, that, naturally. Which, which, you know, you have your things. Up. I'm not saying that I like what happened. No. Oh, and I forgot to mention this part, but his wife, Nancy, attempted to divorce him sometime back in 2003. But, um, she eventually, like, recanted her divorce, um, divorce papers or something, or? Not her divorce papers, but she just kind of didn't want to anymore. She didn't want to go through with the divorce. She didn't want to go through with it anymore. I can't remember why or what she said, but I think he had violent tendencies to begin with like during that time in their life but he did seem like an intense guy yeah. in the ring so I'm paranoia not, I there was a lot of speak of paranoia yeah and i heard about that also yeah yeah just tragic very tragic yeah uh right when you started off i already knew who it was I, I had a I feeling you would. That's I why I didn't know. want to tell you. And right off the bat, I didn't bat, want to tell word. you from the get-go. And right off the bat, I got chills when you told me. Mm-hmm. When you said the first well, three words. Well, because I found out about his son coming back. <clears throat> his son making a debut, hopefully. And that's what caught my attention because it's just like just recent news. That is wild. That Indeed. Is wild. Thank you for that story. Thank you for listening. That was very, very good. Thanks. We hope that you guys think it's very good too. And yes, indeed. We hope we did justice to it. <laughs> I hope so. Again, I didn't cover all the details because a good portion of it was just talking about all the different matches that he had with all the different names and all the different people and all the different professionals. And it's just, it was a lot. But to cover all the basics, that's a, that's a tiny chunk of it. Yeah, it was, yeah, it's. Oof, we would yeah. be we would be here for days if we went through the whole thing. Yeah, we would be. But uh, <laughs> thank you, Ali, for that. For um, sure. You want to take us into the AOK of the week? Sure. All right, our AOK of the week. Oh, I'm still stuck on that story. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jesus. So, the headline. This one is, is a little short, but. It shows that anybody or anything can do, can be an act of kindness. Mm-hmm. This is uh, the headline. Uh, there's a video attached to it. Of course, I can't play the video because there's 
people listening to our podcast that could say, hey, take that off because we own that, which they probably aren't because we're not big, but... No, but again, I think at the same time, I think we've talked about this. I think if we cite it correctly... We'll give you the if link. If we cite it correctly, we'll we can... We no, can, even then... I, anyway. You know, okay, we're getting off track. Okay, so <laughs> from our... Can we even say that our friends? Or are they going to copyright sue us? <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, not. it's from the thegoodnewsnetwork.org where we usually get all our... Uh, well, I get all the AOKs of the week. Uh, and it reads, uh, Watch this stray dog jump into action to help kindergartners self, uh, safely cross busy streets. Okay. Uh, it's an article by... <laughs> That's freaking cute. Yeah, it's an article by McKinley Corbley. Um, it says, Not all heroes wear capes. But this canine crossing guard is a perfect example of how they might wear collars. Earlier this week, a group of kindergartners in Batumi, Georgia, uh, was trying to cross a busy street with their human chaperone, only to have several cars continue to drive past a designated crosswalk without stopping. What? Yes. Kind of a... You said this was in Georgia? Uh, in Georgia, yes. Mm-hmm. Kindergartners, uh, a group of kindergartners who had a chaperone helping them cross the street, you know? Jesus. That's when a stray neighborhood dog named Kershaw took it upon himself to deter oncoming traffic by barking at the cars and clearing the road ahead of the children. Hell yeah, you go, Kershaw. Hell yeah, Kershaw. Uh, by the time Kershaw was done scolding the nearby vehicles, the kids were able to cross the street without interference. <laughs> so I'm guessing the dog was like barking the crap out of, you know, towards these cars so That's they could cool. stop. Look at well, what kind of mindset the dog had. I know. How how does he even know? Just a stray neighborhood dog, you know. But what if he were to cause an accident? You know what I mean? Like the dogs. Would the you rather cause an accident the... or save the kids? But what if the accident affects the kids in some kind of way? You're right. They Let's were colliding into the children. You're ruining the AOK of the I'm week. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, so although Kershaw's impressive display of safety skills may seem like just another walk in the park, he has become an internet sensation since a sidewalk pedestrian named Bega Zinadza, um, T S I N A D Z A. I'm not going to try it again because I messed up already. That's okay. You did pretty well in the beginning. There we go. Uh, Managed to film the adorable exchange and post it to social media. There is a watch video below link, but I cannot watch it on here. But check it out. Just look up Kershaw Kershaw Crosswalk Hmm. Dog. And I'm sure you'll be able to find it. And you'll be able to, you know... See how badass this dog is. Barking at cars. I stop, wonder, stop, stop, stop. Oh my goodness. That's I probably wonder, what it sounded like. He's probably sound like a demon right now yelling into the microphone. Oh. But I wonder if that's his like new job now. They hired the they dog. They gave him a little vest. A vest, a little hat. A little yellow hat. and then stop like, on the side. Yep. That's and cute as shit. It has a vest that says, don't pet me. Oh, or I love I'll, it. Or I'll bark at you. Barkety bark. And he has a stop sign. Said that already. <laughs> a dog carrying a stop sign. That'd be cool. 
But yeah, you see, even animals, not knowingly. Did you see he was a Labrador? Uh, Did you say what kind of a dog he is? No, but um, by the looks of it, uh, it looks like Kershaw is Yes, like a, we just took a pause to watch the video. Yeah. Not going to lie, and he looks like a tiny little border collie like of little, some sort. Like a little chubby border collie. And what a freaking cute-ass dog. Hell yeah. That's the thing about, uh, I mean, any dog in general, but I think specifically like working dogs like that. They have to. They have to do something, right? Yeah, and their instinct is they to do to, something. It's you they know. have to stay busy, and that's his job. The yeah, fact that you know, he's a stray dog and he figured that shit out—that's fucking amazing. And mind, there is one car that's already stopped, and he just runs out and yeah. barks. There is another like little van that drives by fast as hell. Yeah. When he sees these walking kids, and the dog barks at it. So but, of course, it's not going to stop it. Well, obviously not at that point, but... But it's... Wow, you know? Amazing. And, and, and then how, you know, uh, how good-tempered the dog was around the kids. Yeah. He's, like, walking beside he's them and walking right next to them and just, you know... Freaking cute, man. Freaking cute. If only people were like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, they can be. If only but... people would bark. <laughs> they can be. But, uh, yes, that is the OUK of the week. That was very heartwarming. That was a true crime of Thank the week. Thank you. I loved it. That, that was, was very so spine-chilling true crime. Thanks. Um, and uh, the new beer, Indeed. the Campfire Stout. It did. It was great. Which is very delicious. Absolutely. We hope you all enjoyed it, and you will join us again next week for another true crime and beer pick of the week and that's it thank you for listening catch us on instagram we'll post all the pictures at murder um, on tap murder on tap we still have a gmail murder on tap at gmail.com sure nobody has to email us that's cool whatever but you can even slide into our dms if you want to give us some uh i forgot some recommendation on beer specifically on beer suggestions recommendations whatever maybe a true crime you would like to listen to listen about for sure um, or something that you have been curious about that I'm sure a lot of podcasts cover many true crimes that are pretty infamous and famous all all around. But yeah. if there's something that you specifically want to listen to, you want us to find the details, let us know. It doesn't have to be a big thing. It no, could no, be no. a smaller, you know, yeah, and I, local thing, which are, you know pretty interesting also absolutely every victim deserves that recognition yeah getting their story across because this kind of shit is happening on a daily and like it is fucking crazy just going through the news feeds and like that's all you see nowadays is like this this person got murdered and this person got kidnapped and this child well, got like that's what it is you don't see good stuff on the no news. not anymore and it's just like it's become such a horrible trend and we should be able to put it out there so we can hopefully bring it to an end somehow if not to an end somehow bring it to a stop at least for some time you know what i mean yeah you know what i mean but anyway thanks again for joining us this is murder on tap remember to follow like and subscribe leave a review don't leave a review we don't really care (laughs) 
Good or bad, we read all of them. Yes, we sure do. Yes, we do. And on that note, have a great night. And cheers. And toodles. We love you.